am nervous. I woke up this morning feeling fearful. I wouldn't actually even say nervous. I would say fearful. And I actually prayed. I was like, Lord, why am I fearful today? I've been excited about this for about six months. I've been excited about this since before PA even brought this vision because God had been talking to me about this element, the community element, even before, stirring something up in my heart. So I was really excited, but this morning I did wake up and thought, why am I fearful? And I am currently reading a devotional um, from Nehemiah at the minute. And I thought, oh, before I even get out of bed, I'm going to read that devotional. So I opened it, and it said, it is good when God's people are fearful. Because they are then not operating in their strength. Because otherwise we can think, oh, we can do this. And I could get up here and I could speak to you about anything. I could probably, I like talking to people. But I'm fearful because I wanted to make sure it's what God is saying to us, not what I am saying. So let's pray. I want to pray. Jesus, these words, this stirring that you have created in my heart over months and months and months of spending time in your presence, seeing what you desire for us as a body and a community of people. I pray, Lord Jesus, that today, this afternoon, you would discharge that through me, that I would get aside so that you could speak to your people to equip them for the works of service that you have created in advance for them to do. In Jesus' name. Well, we've had an amazing two weeks, haven't we? We have been looking, PA has been talking on building people and done it so amazingly well. And it isn't just about how we as a pastor and as a leadership build the people. It's about how you build each other. And PA shared, the one thing that has really stuck out to me is about noticing each other. It's about noticing where we're at and how we can encourage and get alongside each other. That very first week, if you were here, Dylan got up and said, you know, we can't necessarily have close relationship with everybody, but are there people that you can look out for that you don't yet know well that you can get to know better? And I think for all of us, as we go through, not just this month, but now as we go through, that's our challenge for all of us, to notice one another and to build one another up. To build means to establish, to develop over a period. It doesn't happen overnight, as we know. To build something takes time. To make stronger, but this is the bit that I love, to incorporate something and make it permanent part of a structure, system, or situation. We are building a culture that is going to be a permanent part of this house and what we will be as a community. Um, so, next two weeks, I'm going to look at the building community part. So what is community? That's what I'm going to look at today. What does God say about community? Because I don't know about you, but I'm very interested to know what he has to say. And how can we belong in the community God wants to build amongst us? Okay, so there's three points today. Next week then, I'm going to explore what our community, what our culture will look like. And I'm going to look at Nehemiah. So challenge for you this week Read Nehemiah. Read the book of Nehemiah. It, for many of you, you'll know this. If you don't, God spoke to me very clearly through the book of Nehemiah the morning before the fire happened in the evening about how we would rebuild a church that I didn't even know then was destroyed. So we will look and use Nehemiah as a, for lessons and tools that will help us as we build that culture that God wants to build within us. Community. 
What is community? The definition, the Oxford definition of community is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, shared ownership. We are in the same place. We might not live here, but we certainly dwell here. Some of us here lots of the time. And we have a common shared ownership. First of all, our common shared ownership is Christ and him building the church. But we have other things in common. And talk about a culture that we want to create here in our community. We've had lots of storms hit the UK over the last few weekends. And I don't know about you, but you've probably seen loads on the media. You've seen loads in newspaper, Facebook, social media. It's all over. Um, and last week, I was reading about Storm Dennis, the storm that had come the weekend before. And this particular story about a young man who lives in the Remney Valley had written, um, or oh, they were interviewing him, and he was in this newspaper article. He said, I knew Storm Dennis was causing problems. I knew it had caused problems to homes and communities, but I wasn't really aware of the extent of it until I saw some photographs on Facebook. He said there was water cascading down streets, cars floating on the surface, houses looking like they were on river banks. Tarmac had been pulled up with the force of the weight of the water and the pressure of the water. Railings were bent in, and that was only outside. I saw inside houses, houses with wallpaper rips up the walls, with furniture floating, with people with no electricity, no light, no heating. Their security and their protection, damaged, gone. Elderly people imprisoned in their homes upstairs having to live because they couldn't get out. And with no heat, no water, well, you know, no heat into heat water, how are they going to clean these places? How are they going to warm these places? I'm an electrician by trade. My skills, my experience over the last four years as an electrician means that I could do something to help these people. My dad's an electrician. So I had this idea that we would help people free of charge to get their electricity back on so that they would have heat and they would have water. Didn't take me long to get my dad persuaded and we posted it on Facebook. We were inundated, inundated with people who wanted help. People who wouldn't necessarily come straight to us, but family and friends were actually ringing us saying, can you come to my nan's house? Can you come to my friend's house? So many people needed help. We set to work. We did so many houses that first afternoon, eight, 12 maybe, back up at half past five the next morning. Why? Because people matter. We can all do our bit to pull together, to rebuild, and this is what he said. It's the way I've been brought up in the valleys. It's about community. It matters. Do you know what? I want to be part of a community that doesn't just run to people in their hour of need. When there's disaster and when there's chaos. I grew up in the Remney Valleys. 
the Remini Valley is a small, close-knit community. I came from a village. There wasn't, I don't even know how many people, but it wasn't a large village. We all knew each other. We all knew what was going on. We'd all walk into one another's houses. It was just that close-knit community. And PA said it, we've lost some of that. We've lost some of that unless disaster strikes. And when disaster strikes, we then get involved. Still, there is a, a inbuilt thing in us as humans to help others in need and desperation. But we don't want to be a church, do we, that's proactive when disaster comes. We want to be a church that's reactive, sorry. We want to be a church that is proactive, helping, serving, building one another up, championing, celebrating each other in those good times as well as bad times. We are many cultures and communities in this church. And even this week, I was chatting to Sarah about some of the communities that are among us. And just your example of community that is different to the typical British UK culture. You know, I don't know if any of you have heard that saying, an Englishman's house is his castle. And that just makes me think that we draw that drawbridge up and we stay inside our little areas where we are just looking after our own and protective of our own. Yet some of us here are not Englishmen or Welshmen or British people. Actually, you come from communities and we have a lot to learn where you are family and it's a much stronger sense of family. I know that the, the Kurdish Iran community amongst us, you would give, wouldn't you, in weekly money into a pot that you could, in your small community, could all have if you needed it. You just share. Right, this week I'm putting in this small amount. And if somebody needed a large amount of money for something in need at that moment, they could have that money. Next month, six months' time, it might be you. But you, there was a sharing. There was a sense of coming together and looking after one another. We have a lot to learn from each other. God has put us together to teach us great things about community. And we'll all come, like I said, from different communities. We'll all be part of community to some extent. Our workplaces might be a community. We might have clubs, gyms. Some of us are all, I am a part of a fitness well-being community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am. Do you want me to do the press-ups now? But we will be part of communities with shared interests. Pastor Andrew and Lawrence are part of a community of Man United supporters. And I know there are others amongst us. Some of you are Aston Villa fans, Arsenal, Liverpool. But you will have a shared interest, won't you? You'll join together. We're all part of communities to some extent. But our involvement in those communities will differ. We need strong connection. We need strong connection. Powerful community is built through healthy connection. Powerful community. I want to be part of a powerful community. And it's built through healthy connection. And we'll talk a little bit about the th what, what we can be connected to. In my job, um, I look at research about how young people are, um, or, you know, how they are accessing faith, how they are moving in their faith. And last year, I came across a report which Barna, that's a research um, agency, and World Vision had published. It was a huge piece of research. It involved 15,000 respondents aged 18 to 35, actually, not that young across 25 countries, and it was called the, the Connected Generation Report. 
This is one of their key findings. Connected, but alone. Despite being a hyper-connected and globally-minded generation, many young adults say they feel lonely. 57% of 18 to 35-year-old respondents sense a connection to people all over the world. They have this wide breadth of connection. But only one in three, 33% of young people, 15,000 respondents, 18 to 35 across 25 countries, says they feel deeply cared for by those around them. And if they were in need, and they needed advice and support, they have no one that they could go to. That is massive. That's because in order to feel part of something and to feel that they belong in a community, people need to have a healthy connection with others. And a healthy connection comes in a physical relationship with each other, not a contact and acquaintance that sometimes you see what they're doing on Facebook and you might see what they're up to and you might read about their lives, yet you're not connected with them you don't know their value system. You're not connected with them. You're not supported by them. So what does God, that's community, but what does God say about community? So I look back through the very beginning. Genesis 2, verse 18. God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. From the very beginning, we serve and are created by a God who understands that even though communion with him for us is important, essentially he's saying he understands that it's not enough. That he understands that in his design, we need each other. We need connection and community with each other. And I find it fascinating that he didn't just create Eve alongside Adam in the same way he created Adam, he took Eve from Adam and created Eve from Adam. That is how connected he knows we need to be, that we are in that communion and connection with one another. Then we look at Jesus and his disciples. Jesus did some ministry alone before he enlisted the help of his disciples. But in the Gospels, I'm looking at Matthew 4, 18, Jesus went and he asked Peter and Andrew and James and John, come with me. Come with me and we will do this together. Come with me and I will impart all I know. I will teach you. I will impart my power and you will then go on to do great things. I can do all this alone, but I'm not going to. I am going to enlist you as my disciples to come into community and together we are going to do this. So even Jesus had those around him. Then we look at Acts, the early church. In Acts 2, verses 40, 41, we read about how the disciples and the early believers met together in that upper room. Jesus had left them. They are now alone, but they have each other. And they met together in the upper room. They met together in one place, not spread out. They came together. There was a sense of community, connecting in community. And the Holy Spirit came. And from that connection together, and the Holy Spirit came, Peter went out and he preached. Verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. They joined, they connected to each other they, as a part of a community with the other believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, 
to fellowship, to sharing in the Lord's Supper, and prayer. Lawrence has spoken before. Those of you who are part of our link group will know that that fellowship is a Greek word, koinonia. There's no direct English translation for koinonia. It's used in different contexts throughout the Bible. In this context, it's translated here as fellowship, but it is so much deeper. You've heard this before. It's so much deeper than just friendship. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, it's translated as Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. They are coming together. They are sharing about what, who Jesus is and what he's done. And then they are sharing with one another physically, being generous in their contribution to look after one another. And here, in 2 Corinthians 9, it's translated as contribution. What they are sharing practically, what they are bringing to each other practically. So it's that level of sharing friendship and relationship, but it's also sharing what they have. And then in 1 John 1.3, it talks about and translates into fellowship with each other and with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. In short, it's being part of a shared community that involves deep, deep, deep spiritual connection, first with Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and with each other. That's the level of community. That's a powerful community that we get when we are joined with other believers at the center with Jesus at the center. A bit like the three-corded strand we read about in Ecclesiastes 4.12. says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. If you've got a piece of rope and it's got three strands and they're all twisted in together, that is impossible to break. And that what it is, that's what it is. As we in communion with one another, as we come and we share that fellowship, we share that friendship, we share all that we have, but with Jesus at the center, that is powerful. We'll see each other through God's eyes. We'll want to champion and support each other and build each other and encourage each other to be the very best that we can be. And we've been away this weekend and we heard this most phenomenal teaching on unity yesterday. Absolutely phenomenal. Because do you know where, what, when there is that united spirit, when Christ is at the center, Christ is the head, and then together we are connected as believers. Psalm 133 tells us that God commands a blessing. I haven't got this on my PowerPoint. This was added this morning. If you've got a Bible, get it out and read with me from Psalm 133. Do you know what? I've been challenged re recently. I'm, all, I'm a, fit, um, a visual learner. I'm all for having the verses up here. But sometimes it means we get lazy and we don't turn to the actual word of God. I am going to find Psalm 133. I'm okay. I've written it out here, but I'm going to actually do what I've just asked you to do. I'm going to turn for it in this actual book. Do you know what? It's great to have Bibles on our phones, but there's something special about having it written here for us. Psalm 133. How wonderful and pleasant is it when my brothers live together in unity, in harmony. 
For unity is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe, onto the edge of his robe. Unity is as refreshing, harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, there the Lord has commanded, has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. When we are connected, there is blessing, but there is anointing. That oil that that flowed down Aaron's beard to the tip of the hem of his garment, there is anointing. Pastor Andrew and Karen are anointed to lead this house, but it is not all about them being anointed to lead this house. It is not about us as a leadership being anointed in this house. It is not about a worship leader being anointed. As we are united, every single one of you is is united and anointed to do what Christ has called us and you to do. This is about us as a community coming together to build. This is about every single one of us having a part. It's that divine unity that is going to change the world because Christ is going to anoint it. And you know what? As we read on even there in Acts 2 verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles as they were anointed by the Holy Spirit. All the believers were together, together united. They had everything in common. Community. Everything in common and united. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as they had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were connected to each other. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to be part of a community that doesn't exist in this place alone. We need to be strong. We need to be connected to Christ and to each other. But these doors have no limits. Our communities, the hem of that garment is out there in the streets that we are, in the contact we, in the communities that we are in, our workplaces, our schools, our sports clubs. It's out there. In the amazing work that we do through the Gap Community Centre, all of it is reaching out there to see a world come to know Jesus. I'm not saying that we need to sell all our possessions and all come together and all live in one place. I am not talking about that. But I'm talking about us being open to sharing, open to looking at where a need is and getting in there. And to build each other up in that. So I don't know what I'm like, time I've lost track of time, okay? But how can we be united then and feel that we belong in this community that God wants to build, develop, establish, make stronger, a permanent part here in this house? Okay. I have done a lot of research into creating a sense of belonging. I work on a project um, in work with Care for the Family called the Kitchen Table Project. No, I say it often. Check it out. It's great. If you are a parent or a carer or a grandparent or any member of a family or actually don't have any children, it's all great. It's about how you can bring faith into everyday life at home life with children and how as a church 
we all have a part to play in raising this next generation. It isn't all about the parents, it's about everything that we can bring as a community of believers to these kids' lives, to these young people's lives, and to these children that are downstairs today doing an amazing work downstairs. But in order for children to feel they belong in the church, and, and us as well, I spoke on this a few weeks ago, we need to be connected in intergenerational relationships. There's a lot that we can learn from one another. Shara, Sarah got up the other week and shared a word. We were singing that song where it says, we know you can do it again. Some of us don't know that God can do it again because he hasn't done it the first time yet for us. We knew on our journey we might not have experienced God performing a miracle in our lives yet. Or it might be, Sarah got up and said, you might be asking God for a direction in your job. Get alongside somebody who's had God direct them in their job. You might be struggling with health right now. Get alongside somebody where God has performed a miracle of healing in their life. We can learn from one another. And PA has obviously unpacked that massively with us over the last few weeks. I'm not going to go on about the building each other up and creating those intergenerational relationships. We will, as a church, look at how we can build those as we move forward. But I'm going to take the element of we need to feel involved so we feel that we belong when we have intergenerational relationships and when we feel connected because we have a part to play, where we have an involvement, where we have a role, where we have something that we can bring to build the community. In our home, in our house, everyone, every member of my family has a job to do. Now, I know I look like a superwoman, and I know I do a lot of the thinking and the organization to make our house work well. But Lawrence does do a lot. He has part to play. He takes out the rubbish. <laughs> he loves cleaning the kitchen. Like, even when you're cooking, he will often take the stirring spoon and wash it. And then you're like, where's the spoon? He's good at cleaning the kitchen. He was brilliant this week. I was preparing and studying for this on Wednesday. Katie was ill. Lawrence took time off work to care for her so that I could be released to study and spend time with God. There is a part that we all have. Today, I've been a little bit preoccupied this morning, spending time with the Lord, and Charlotte made dinner for everybody and got the snacks ready, and she will load the dishwasher, not for financial gain, just because she loves it. Sometimes she gets financial gain for doing it. Um, Katie will empty the dishwasher and fold the laundry. She's quite good at that. Everybody's got a job. And Charlotte has a really good friend who has spent quite a lot of time staying at our house over this last year. Now, when she used to first come to stay at our house, or for the night or for a meal, she'd come in, she'd eat with us, she'd talk to us, she's very polite, very well-mannered, she didn't have a role, she'd eat at our table, and when she finished, we'd clear up, and I'm sure she felt welcomed in our house. Did you feel welcome to my house, Taylor Gold? And I guess it could have always stayed that way, that she could have felt welcomed in our house. But over time, as she came more and more and more, and as I would cook more and more and more and more, and a little bit more, because they're growing girls and they need to eat, and then I'd maybe cook a bit more, because they'd be hungry at like 10 o'clock at night, she started getting involved. She started having a part to play without even being asked. She'd get up from the dinner table and she'd fill the dishwasher. Or she might empty the dishwasher. Then one morning in the summer holidays, I'm having a little bit of a lie-in. Didn't get that very often. They're looking after Katie downstairs. 10 o'clock. 
get scrambled egg, spinach, tomato, all brought to me upstairs by Taylor, not my kids, by Taylor. <laughs> no, Charlotte did help, Charlotte did help. Taylor brought it upstairs. Here's your breakfast. She's no longer feeling that she's a visitor to our house. She's feeling like, and I think I could probably be right in saying this, I haven't checked with her, it's her second home. She feels now that she is welcomed and that she is belong and she has a contribution to make. Now, I'm not quite sure whether feeling that sense of belonging meant she contributed more or actually starting to contribute made her feel she had a role to play and she belonged. I think it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. But the more that she did, the more she felt part of our home. And I think we need sometimes to move from being visitors in this house to feeling that we belong in this home. Now you might be new to joining us and you might still be setting out what is this house, what does it look like, what is this community, that's okay. Set it out for a while, get to know us, get to know what this feels like for you. But at time there will come a point, hopefully, where you will feel that you have something to bring, something to enrich the community of this home, this house. Equally, you might have been with us for a long time now, and you might have been dipping in and out. That was quite a little masterclass, wasn't it? There are some legitimate reasons why we can't be here on a Sunday. We might have work commitments. We might have ill health. We might have family, sick relatives that we need to look after. We might have holidays. Because we are allowed to go on holiday, it's okay. You can have a couple of weeks off for you. But we hope this is the place that is your non-negotiable. This is the place where on a Sunday we come together to dwell together and have that community together. This is the place that in the week when there's stuff going on, because we put it on in order to build the community amongst us, that you will join with the link groups, and you will join with the women's ministry, and you will join with Epic and the men's ministry, because we want that to be the place where you feel community. And that it's not another thing to add that maybe you, or maybe you, or maybe you might be here, maybe you might not be here, depending on what else is vying for your attention at that particular time. I encourage you, in this season, as we build together as a community, because every single one of you is anointed in that unity, in that common unity to play a part. We need every single one of you, because your gift is not for yourself. God hasn't gifted you and anointed you for yourself. He has gifted and anointed you for others to build the body, build the community of believers that we are here. I challenge you, let the zeal for the house consume you. Let the zeal for this place consume you. God has positioned you, every single one of you, for this time to build with us for the future. And as PA had said, a better time is not coming. It is now, and you all have an a valuable part to play. Now, you might be saying, oh, I don't even know what I can do. I was fearful this morning standing up. I could have hidden behind my gift. I take no credit for the fact that God has given me an ability to communicate because I couldn't do it without him giving me that gift. But I could have hidden behind it. I could have hidden in the wings and thought, no, do you know what? There are other people who can do this. And do you know what? I might not be the best. That's all right. 
It's just about having a go. You might say, but a million other can, people can do that job. A million other people can pour tea at the end of the service. A million other people can volunteer for our kids' work. They'd be better than us. Loads of people, you might think, might be better musicians and could sing and play instruments in the worship team. Maybe there are others who could. But they won't have the same connection as you will. The person who is struggling to connect to, with something, start again. The person who is struggling with something, and you have a conversation with them as you pour their tea in that room, that then leads to meeting them for coffee. You might be able to do that, and no one else could have had that conversation with them. They might not tell the Bible story in the same way that you tell the Bible story downstairs in the innovative way and you connect with that individual child who when they reach 21 and they're at a bit of crosswords, crossroads of faith and they look back and remember that story you told in that humorous way, in that engaging way, nobody else might have been able to do that. But you might have made a difference in their life. They might not receive that prophetic song that God wants to give you as you stand here in the worship team that frees something up and leads the whole church to a different dimension in worship. We can all do lots of things, but are we positioned and chosen and anointed by God to do that particular thing when you are? No, we need to operate in the things we are called to do. I was reading and studying this morning. I don't know why I did that. Well, I do because God late directed me that way. But I had enough content to bring. And then God said, hmm, read Matthew 16, verse 18. I woke up. You'll have to look at this because it's, again, not on the PowerPoint, guys. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus has just asked Peter who he says he is. Peter replies, you are Christ, son of the living God. Jesus' response to that is, and I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Me and PA didn't talk about this before he brought that at the beginning. The Greek translation for the word Peter is Petros. It means small stone. The word he uses for rock is Petra. It's more of a foundational boulder. Okay? Now we he is saying Petra. Petros, sorry, Petros, little stone. On Petra, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know the New Testament makes it very, very clear that Christ is the cornerstone of the church and the head of the church. I've got the scripture references to give you at the end if you want. He's not saying that Peter, one man, I'm going to build my church on you. He's not saying that. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell. Peter, on you I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are going to prevail against it. What I had the revelation of this morning, and this is what 
I then looked at and some comment commentators would say, is that statement that Peter made was the foundational boulder. He has said, you are Christ, son of the living God. Little piece of there, little small stone, it's almost a play on words, little piece of there, your revelation of who I am, that massive foundational boulder, that you are Christ, the son of the living God, that revelation is on what I am going to build my church. And Peter then, when he writes his first letter to the church, he says and explains what that imagery means. Because he says, 1 Peter 2.5, and you are living stones, like me, that God is building into his spiritual temple. He was a stone. We are stones. Have we got that revelation of who Christ is in our life? That he is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the creator of the universe. And it's on that, it's on that understanding, it's on that rock that he is going to build his church. And we are united in that as a body of believers. That is the thing that brings us together like glue. That is the thing that I talk about when I say unity. And from there, the anointing will flow. As we are united in knowing Jesus Christ and nothing else. His way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no compromise. Our new vision says that we will be Christ-centered and Bible-based. We will stand on the truth of God's word. We will stand on Christ. He is the head and the rock on which he will build the church. But as we have that fresh revelation, the anointing will come. But do you know what? We are living stones. He doesn't say living stone. He says living stones. Each one of us has a part to play. And I have done an extension in my house last year, and we have done a red brick extension in our house. Every brick was symmetrical. Every brick looked the same. We are not building with bricks. We are building with living stones, and every single one of us will be different. Every single one of us is going to be unique. Every one of us needs to be placed and positioned and doing what God has called you to do, and I am giving you permission. We as a leadership are giving you permission to have a go, to belong because you're connected with others and because you are contributing in the house. Your giftings are for others. I want to bring something that God shared with me a few days ago for us. And then I'm going to ask the worship team, actually, while I'm doing that, to come. We're going to take communion. We're going to be united in the blood of Christ because that is what unites us as a community of believers. We have this in common. And it starts here in us, and it flows out. It flows out. My people, I have chosen. The people I love. I desire you to dig deeper and dwell longer in me. To love me wholeheartedly and to love those around you within these walls and beyond these walls. For these walls are not a limitation, but a springboard. They are a sanctuary, a place of refuge, of rest, of restoration, of renewing, of rebuilding. 
My kingdom will be established, but it will take an intention from you. An intention to hear me, to know my voice, to obey, to step out, to live called, to live worthy of your calling, to live equipped. For I have given you everything you need for this life, the life I have called you to, the life I have set you apart for. You asked me to search you. Come aside. Listen to my molding. Listen to my shaping. Know what to put, what to put down, what to pick up. Where to position yourself and who to position yourself with. Who to stand next to, who to encourage, who to love. I am building. I am establishing. Would you allow me to fill you? To fill you with treasures. As you stand, as, bro yet as broken and yet mended jars of clay. Vessels of hope and glory for my glory. I am doing a new thing. I am building my church through you. Jesus, we thank you that you are building your church. We thank you for this new season. We thank you for where we have been. We thank you for where we are right now. We thank you for what's to come. But right now, we want to hear what you're saying for this season for us as a house, for us as a body, as us as living stones built together. And we stand united in you. Lord, would you unite us? And as we come to partake of your body and your blood that was shed for us, united. I have to ask, if there is anyone here who, yeah, they are here and they have fellowship with one another, they know one another, they have connection with each other, but you are missing a connection with Jesus. Yeah, you don't know him. And you want to know him today. I cannot let this moment go without asking you. And if you are, I'm going to ask you to be brave and put your hands up. So I ask you, is there anyone who is not yet connected with Jesus Christ, son of the living God, and you want to be? Lord, we thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. I'm going to ask us to do something. We've just been waiting on God for what to do there. Can you move before we take communion and go and sit with somebody else? Can you do something that's a bit uncomfortable? Well done, Dylan. He's gone. <laughs> 